for joining us as we hear an anointed word from Treasure Coast Victory Center. All right, take your Bibles, go to Exodus chapter 15. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you that you have given us the ability to live in divine health. Father, our days of sickness and disease are over forever, hallelujah, according to your word. We thank you for your word that builds faith on the inside of us, so we act on that word. We have decided to resist the devil, and your word says that he will flee. Glory to God. We thank you tonight once again. I pray for anybody here who may be struggling in their body. Holy Ghost, I ask you to rise up on the inside of them, quicken their mortal body right now, wherever that pain, wherever that problem is, remove it out of their lives right now in the name of Jesus. It has no authority here. And we thank you for perfect healing and perfect health in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Okay, Exodus chapter 15. I think we started there about every week so far. We, we talked the first week basically about the will of God. Whatever you know as the will of God in anything, just not healing, whether it be finances or any area of your life, when you know the will of God, then you can live by faith. Basically, faith begins where the will of God is known. If you don't know the will of God, you're not faithing, you're just hoping something happens or wishing something happens. But once you know it's the will of God, you have the ability to take his will and his word and stand against anything that comes in your life. Last week we talked about faith. Say faith. How many of you know that you receive your healing through faith the same way you received your born again experience? This week we want to talk about a little bit about the importance of the word of God. Say the word of God. God. All right, Exodus chapter 15, look at verse 26. And God said, if you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God and will do that which is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will allow none of the diseases upon you which I allowed upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that does what? Healeth thee. Notice the children of Israel basically were on their way to the promised land. God gave them a word. He told them, don't worry about anything because I am the Lord that heals you. He basically gave them one of his redemptive names that he has, Jehovah Rapha, basically means I am the Lord, I am your physician, and I am your healer. There were some people there, three million as a matter of fact is what they estimate, who basically must have received that promise and believed that promise, because the Bible says that for every one of the three million there was not one feeble, not one sick among the three million, and they had come out of bondage at the time. So how many know they must have heard the promise and believed the promise? The Word of God is a revelation of God's will for every single one of us. God wants us all healed. Say, God God wants me me healed. healed. All right, go to Psalm 103. All right, Psalm 103, look at verse 1. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all thine iniquities and who heals all thy diseases. As long as Jesus will forgive all of your sins, you can count on him also to heal how many of your diseases? All of your diseases. He is a sin forgiver. He is also a sickness healer. He was, he is, and always will be willing to heal all who are sick and save every single person who is lost. David stated that the benefits which the Lord will bring to the world were salvation to the sinful and healing to the sick. Now notice what he says in verse 1, or yeah, verse uh, 2, forget not, say forget not. Now why do you think he put that in there? 
because there's going to be people who are going to forget that he forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. There's many people right now in the body of Christ who have forgotten the benefits of who heals all thy diseases. The benefits of healing for those who are diseased have been forgotten through traditional preaching, through traditional teaching, and basically through modern medicine. The medical field has basically phased God out to a point to where it actually has become our number one thing whenever sickness and disease comes. I got a quote here from, uh, I want to do from Smith Wigglesworth. If you, want to, if you want to grow in the things of the Lord, you need to find people who are more radical than you are. And you can do that by finding different people. Smith Wigglesworth was radical. He was crazy, man. And when you read some of his stuff, some of the stuff he says even ruffles my feathers because I, it really, really shakes me up. So here's what he said. He predicted that in the future, which is now, say now, now. that God would become a second chance God. He said, if the first remedy that you had taken from the doctor's bottle would have healed you, you would not even have come for prayer. So you're only giving God the next chance. If we would be as faithful to God as we have been faithful to the doctors, we would all be healed. We have been unfaithful to God in his words. We need to repent and look to God only for our healing. Believe that his blood is sufficient and we will live healed. How many believe that's a little harsh? It is, isn't it? But that's the way he believed, that's who he was, and that's what he said. Whenever I hear of someone who lived in divine health and speaks things that I don't necessarily like, I try to bring my thinker up to where their thinker is. Sometimes that's hard to do because their thinker is a little bit further than my thinker is. But Smith Migglesworth was one. So the benefits of healing basically have been set aside. God is, like I said last week, we all have a what they call a primary physician with our insurance companies. Is your primary physician your primary physician or is it God? Because God wants to be your primary physician in every single thing. Every promise of God that's in his word is basically a revelation of what he wants to do for you. His promise to heal all reveals his will to heal everyone. If you believe his word, accept it as his will for you, then act accordingly. Power will be released for you to walk in divine health. All right, go to Matthew chapter 8. All right, Matthew 8, look at verse 16. And when the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word, and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities, and he bare our sicknesses. Here it says that Christ has borne our sicknesses, and he took our infirmities. If he took them, that proves that we don't have to take them because he took them for us. Basically, he was our substitute for our sin and for our divine healing. So then we are set free. If you want, uh, basically, if God wanted some people to be sick, then Jesus wouldn't have took all our sicknesses and diseases. He'd have took some of our sickness and diseases because he wanted some sick and he wanted some healed. But notice he took all our sicknesses all our diseases, he bore near sicknesses, and he bore near diseases. In doing so, he freed us from the very thing that God wanted some of us basically to live in. Basically, we are now free to live in divine health. He healed all that were sick. Say, that includes me. So when he bore our sicknesses and our diseases and suffered the stripes by which we are healed, we have the will of God revealed concerning the healing in our bodies. 
If he bore our sicknesses as our substitute, then we don't need to bear our sicknesses. If we need to bear our sicknesses and our diseases, then basically he did not do a very good job bearing our sicknesses and diseases, and he needs to come back and do a better job than he did the first time. But he didn't. He did it the first time. He was our substitute. He took our sin, and he also took our sicknesses. All right, go up to Matthew chapter 10. All right, let's start in verse 1. And when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Look at verse 7. He says, As you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, now freely give. Jesus was always as ready and willing to heal the sick as he was to forgive sins. Jesus spent more of his three years, basically, if you read the New Testament, in healing the sick and casting out devils than he did in any other part of his ministry. There are more cases recorded as him having healed the sick than there are of him forgiving people's sins. Every person whom Jesus sent to preach the gospel was commanded by him to do exactly the same thing here on earth that he did. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely you have received, now freely give. How many of you understand that that is a command, not a suggestion? What are we here for? We are here basically to say the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There's a new sheriff in town. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely you have received, now we are supposed to freely give. All right, go to Mark chapter 16. As you've been here the last two weeks, or if you listened online, we found out that basically everything you receive from God in the kingdom of God is like a man who plants seed into the ground. He goes to sleep, he gets up, he goes to sleep, he gets up, first the, the blade, then the ear, then the full corner of the ear. So whatever you're receiving on the word of God has been planted on the inside of you. Do not get impatient for its growth. Just allow it to grow up just like you would if you planted a natural harvest. It will come to harvest as long as you don't dig up the seed or cut the seed down. All right, Mark chapter 16, let's look at verse 15. And Jesus said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believes not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall what? So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat at the right hand of God, and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with and confirming the word with signs following. This some people call is the Great Commission. The same commission that Jesus commanded his disciples was to go into all the world, preach the gospel. Everyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. He also commanded us believers to lay hands on the sick, and they would what? Recover. As long as it's scriptural to preach salvation and do water baptism by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, it is also scripture to lay hands on the sick so that they may what? 
recover. Many that I run into, even pastors, talk about the days of healing are over with. God doesn't heal the sick anymore. Well, if God doesn't heal the sick anymore, then it's all in one verse here. Then God doesn't save anymore, and there's no reason for you to baptize in water anymore because it was all in the same commission that God gave. No, they want to get things out of there because they don't understand about divine health, how to live in it, how to receive from God. So basically, the easiest thing to do is eliminate that part of it because they believe in people being saved and baptized. But notice Jesus gave it all as part of the Great Commission. God's word says, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall do what? Recover. Recover. That plainly, once again, reveals to us the fact that God's will for the sick is for them to recover. If not, he would never have said, they shall recover. If you do not know what God said about healing the sick, then you will not be able to have faith for healing. Faith comes through hearing the word and hearing the word. Let me just say this, no word, no faith. No word, no faith. You might have wish, you might have mental assent, you might have I hope for. If you're not in the word, you do not have faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. How many of you know that we forget things from time to time? I mean, even in these classes, you know, that I've taught before and I've taught on healing before and do this stuff. When I go back and look at it, I said, my gosh, how far my mind has gone back on these things. So it's good to look at them again, to study them again, to write the scriptures down, to go over them, basically. Hallelujah. This is why everyone must take time to read God's word, read God's will, so they may know what he has said and believe it. Since he is willing to heal the sick, then he will heal the sick right now. Say right now. now. Notice what the scripture says. By his stripes ye were healed. How many know that's past tense? That's not future tense. Many people say, well, God's going to heal me pretty soon. Well, no, he's not because he already healed you before. Praise God. Well, I'm waiting on God. No, God's waiting on you to get in line with him and get in agreement with him because today is the day of your salvation, not tomorrow, not the next day. That's why you cannot stay in hope and receive from God. If your healing's out here, if your financial breakthrough's out here, if your peace is out here, if your joy's out here, you need to bring it here and put it back here someplace and understand that it was provided for you 2,000 years ago. Every time I get hit with a symptom, I go back to the cross. I say it was done 2,000 years ago. It's already been done, so there's no sense me messing with this right now. It's 2,000 years later, and I think it's probably still good right now. So I'm just going to believe that 2,000 years ago, I was healed from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Got to go back to where it was done, basically, on the cross. All right, go to John chapter 8. All right, John chapter 8, look at verse 32. Jesus is speaking. He says, and you shall know the truth and the shall make you free. Notice here he says, if you just get to know the truth, if you know the truth, the truth will make you or set you free. Some people that I've talked to basically have been cheated out of a lot of their benefits of redemption because it was preached to them that it's not for today or it's never been preached to them. That's no excuse. You can get in the word for yourself and find out what your own benefits are. When your rich aunt dies, you're not going to call in someone else to read the will. I guarantee it. You will be first in line to be there to memorize that will and know what's coming to you. It's the same way with God. Read the will. Find your benefits. Claim your benefits. Use your rights and declare them boldly. Why? Because they're provided by God and God is backing them up. All heaven stands ready to enforce every promise in the book when you dare to boldly claim them because of the word. Satan is a liar. How many know he's a liar? 
Hallelujah. How many know what thoughts come to your mind all the time that are not in line with God's word? That's why the Bible tells you, not God, oh God, cast down those thoughts. No, you must cast down those thoughts yourself that do not line up with the word of God. The knowledge of the word of God will bring you the truth and the truth will make you free. The word basically, without the word, you would not know anything in the spiritual realm. You may have been born again, but people who get born again don't get in the word. They don't know anything about the baptism of the Holy Spirit because you're only going to find that where? In the word. They're never going to know they are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Why is that? Because you're only going to find it in the? You're not going to know that health is for you and Jesus bore your sicknesses and diseases because you're only going to find it in the? So people who don't go in the word, people ask me all the time, this person says they're saved, they're not living like it. I can tell you why they've never got in the word of God. So they're still thinking the old way that they did, basically, even though they're born again on the inside. The word will reveal to you everything that belongs to you and, and is yours. Speaking in tongues, how many of you know nobody's just going to walk out someday and start going, Makatela Moshikela. They're going to have to hear the word of God on it. They're going to have to receive it by faith in the word of God. So the word is here basically as the last will and testament to reveal everything that God has provided for you through Jesus Christ. You must search the will, then take what belongs to you. All right, go to John chapter 1. When you die and go to heaven, you'll never have another battle with sickness and disease. You'll never have a financial difficulty. There's no opposition up there, but there is opposition down here. There are lying demons, lying spirits who are coming to you, telling you you're going to go broke, telling you you're going to get divorced, telling you you're going to get sick all the time because they do not want you operating in the freedom that God has provided for you. John chapter 1, look at verse 1. In the beginning, how many know that was a long time ago? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was was God. So if the word was God, we can substitute any place in the Bible you see word, you can put God in there. Any place you see God, you can put word in there. The word was God. The word basically speaks to us just as if Jesus was standing right in front of you talking. The word takes Jesus' place. When you pick up the Bible, it would be good to remember that it's not just a book. It is a book of God with God's word and God's life in it. The word of God is always now. It is the voice of God himself. The Word of God is the mind of God. I mean, you know, I don't know what God's thinking. We'll read what He wrote down on paper, and you'll know what He was thinking because He wrote it down. The will of God is God speaking to you. Say, God's Word is God speaking to me. Now, it doesn't matter if it's Peter. doesn't matter if it's Paul. doesn't matter if it's John. don't matter who it is. All is the Word of God, and it's all speaking to you. Jesus was the Word. We must read the Word. You have to feed on that word, and the word will start to live in you and through you. Now, how does it live in us and through us? Well, we have it, first of all, in our heart, and then we get it in our mouth. Once the word gets in your heart, it will start getting in your mouth. That's where the power comes out. The word is our healing. It is our strength. The word should be our constant confession in our daily life. All right, go to John 17. All right, John 17, look at verse 17. Once again, Jesus is speaking. He says, sanctify them, talking about us, through thy truth. Thy word is what? 
So we find once again, the word of God is truth. Truth comes from the word of God. One of the most dangerous habits that Christians have is that they treat the Bible as if it's an ordinary book. We declare that we believe it to be the truth, but we turn to others' help when God has promised perfect deliverance in our life. We treat the fact of redemption as though it was fiction. I mean, every Sunday morning we get here and we sing, you know, God has healed us, we are free, we are free, we are free, and then we leave and we live bound the rest of the week. I mean, no singing's not enough. It's not a revelation of it. And that's what I've been trying to tell people for years, basically. This kingdom walk is not a two-hour Sunday or a one-hour Wednesday night thing. It is all week long. So you can't sit here and sing, God has healed us, we love him so much, and then walk out and talk about every symptom, every sickness, everything in your life that's wrong. You're just nullifying the word of God in your life, and you're never going to believe the word of God that way. We have to walk in line with God 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's why freedom to some of us is a fable. Healing is actually just a fable. I've heard that healing stuff before. I've heard that fable before. I've heard redeemed before. Yes, I'm the redeemed of the Lord. But there's going to come a day when you're really going to believe that I am the redeemed of the Lord, and that comes through a constant, continual living in line with the Word of God on a daily basis. Many times our mouths take us into fear, take us out of God's promises, and we get out of them. Then basically we spend the whole week in doubt and unbelief. We come back on Sunday and thank God we sing another Word of God song to get us pulled back over to where we belong. And all at once that heaviness falls off of us because we dug a pit all week long. And now we're ready to go out and tear up every devil in the world again. And you wake up Monday morning and I don't feel very good. I think I'm going to get sick. I just don't know if it's going to work out today. We're probably going to pay the bill on Friday. It's just never going to work out for us. Then you come back to church again. I'm redeemed and I am healed and I. It's not going to work. It doesn't work that way. This is you either believe this stuff or you're not. You either act on this stuff or you don't, and you have to make up. This stuff is not for an average Christian. If you want to be an average Christian, it's not going to work for you. You have to be tenacious with this stuff. You have to want this stuff. You have to know that God is not a liar, bless God, and what he said I want to receive in my life. If Jesus went to the cross to pay for my healing, then bless God, I'm going to fight tooth and nail for that healing. I'm going to be financially blessed because he provided it for me, and that's just the way it's going to be, praise God. I'm not going to succumb everything that comes into my life and bow my knee to it when I've got the name of Jesus that's far above every other name in the universe. I'm going to use that name, and I'm going to walk in what the word of God tells us. Basically, your boldness stays boldness when you stay in agreement with God all the time. If you say something out of line with the agreement with God, stop, correct yourself, and move on. It's just that simple, praise God. And I'll tell you, when you first start thinking about it and start reading the Word a little bit more, you'll be repenting all the time. You think Jesus said, repent, 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 because the kingdom of God is at hand. But he didn't. He just said it one time. But basically, everything coming out of your mouth most of the time. I mean, we were up north this week and over the weekend, you know, or with our relation and everything else. And I'll tell you what, I can't believe some of them haven't killed themselves by now with what's coming out of their mouth. It's unbelievable. They don't understand the power that's in their mouth. They don't understand what they believe. They don't understand what they're saying. And they're saying this and saying that. And my God, I'm saying I better go over here for a while. I'm starting to lose it over here. And so basically, it's a lifestyle. It comes out of your mouth. You have to correct yourself, praise God. I'm getting sick is not going to help you. I'm feeling terrible and it's going to get worse is not going to help you, praise God. Everybody gets sick when the snowbirds come down. Is not going to help you. <laughs> Praise God. Come on. By his stripes I've been healed constantly is going to help you. Thanking God for your health is going to help you. It's going to grow on the inside of you. So by his stripes ye were healed. This promise is yours. There's no question about it. It belongs to you. It's as much as if I wrote you a check tonight for $1,000 and I endorsed it and handed it to you. It's just as much that is the check that I handed you tonight. 
God's promises are recorded in the Bible as much as that check would be good for you. God is not a liar. He will do it as long as you basically stay in line with the Word of God 24-7. All right, go to Matthew chapter 4. I remember when, you know, Kenny Copeland got a hold of this. He was talking about his younger days, and, uh, of course, his wife was, was in on it too, and basically they were found out about the words of your mouth. And Kenny would say something like, and bless God, that just ain't going to work out, and I know we're not going to have the money to do this. And she started saying, I agree with you, and I believe every word that's coming out of your mouth. He said, I got so mad, I just wanted to slap her every time she did that. He said, what was she doing? Correcting him every single time. Well, I'm just going to get sick today. I agree with that, and it's going to come to pat. And he just made him madder and madder till he stopped doing it. How many of you know that'll get you to quit doing it when somebody agrees with you in that area? So basically, what were they doing? Helping each other. We can help each other, praise God, lovingly. We can help our spouses lovingly. And I repeat, lovingly. Hallelujah. All right, Matthew chapter 4. Look at verse 3, and when the tempter came to Jesus, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time you shall dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil took him up into an exceeding high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them, and said unto him, All these things will I give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then said Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only thou shalt serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, the angels came and ministered to him." This talks about the temptation of the devil coming to Jesus. He was in the wilderness. Jesus defeated Satan with one thing. It is written. Satan is defeated. He already knows he's defeated. He wonders if you know whether he's defeated or not. The word was the weapon Jesus used every time. Satan sought to overthrow him. It is written. What did Jesus do? Simply quoted the scripture in any situation and said what God said. Now notice what the outcome was. Verse 11, the devil leaveth him. Say the devil, leaveth him. How many know worry will leaveth you? Fear will leaveth you. Self-pity will leaveth you. Depression will leaveth you when you put it is written because Satan is totally defeated. The only weapon that Jesus used was the word of God. Say the only weapon... Jesus used was the Word of God. Now, this is interesting here because, you know, we're teaching on authority on Sundays, and basically we haven't even got into authority and power yet. We're basically still stuck in the authority part of it. But notice, Jesus didn't even need power here to get rid of the devil. He just needed authority to get rid of the devil. Some people say, well, I don't, I don't feel powerful and the devil's attacking me. Just use your authority. That'll be enough to run him off. It is written was enough for Jesus. It'll be enough for you. You don't even need the power to back it up when he comes around that stuff. You already have the authority to do it. So when sickness comes, what are you going to do? I'm going to boldly confess by his stripes, I was healed. It is written. Faith in God's word then, because God and his word are one, is faith in God. Unbelief in his word is unbelief in God himself. 
When we believe God's word, we will confess his word and stay in line with it at all times. If you want to build faith in God, you must continually feed on the word of God. Your attitude towards God's word is going to settle a lot of things in your life. In other words, if you treat the word just as a chore, something I've got to do, if you treat it as, uh, well, it's just another book and I should read it or Jesus is going to get mad at me for not reading a book, it's all your attitude towards what the word of God is for you. When you meet Satan with the word, it is written, all sickness, disease, pain, and symptoms will have to go. You need to say what God says. Satan is a defeated foe. He already knows it. Jesus forever defeated him since he rose from the dead. He has always sought to prevent the church from making this discovery that he's defeated. Satan has always obeyed the command of a believer who uses God's word against him. Say, I have. It is written. And that's all I need. All right, go to Psalm 107. All right, Psalm 107, verse 20. The Bible says, He sent His word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. And let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare His works with rejoicing. Notice here it says, The word will heal you. Say the word, the word. has healed me. Now, when I see a scripture like this, I want to put myself in that scripture. God sent his word and he healed me. So I'm going to praise and thank him for healing me 2,000 years ago. Thank God I'm healed. It's so good to be healed. Uh, you may not feel good. Thank God I'm healed from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Maybe my arm hurts. Praise God he sent his word and he healed me and delivered me from all of his destruction. You don't look very good. I don't care what I look like. He sent his word and he healed me and delivered me from all his destruction. Not, well, you know, I got a pain in my arm and it's getting a little bit worse. And I don't know, it could be bursitis or zersitis or zersitis or whatever I found on the internet. There's plenty of things on there, praise God. And I won't be able to lift it probably by tomorrow. But that's okay. What do you think? Well, my cousin died when he had that. Oh, my God. See, everybody wants to get in on the negative, but you shoot up, oh, by his stripes, I'm healed. They'll go, because <coughs> they're not used to hearing it is written. They're not used to hearing the word of God. You're operating in a higher realm than they are. So I'm simply going to put my thing in these verses. I'm going to confess God's word. Your confession will bring healing, finances, whatever you need to you. When you confess your sickness or your pain, your confession will keep you sick and in pain. Always confess God's word. Even when you may have contradictory feelings... You're going to have to confess the word. I mean, it's easy to confess the word when you don't have anything. Oh, the finances are good. My body feels good. Hey, he's such a good healer. He's a wonderful. And then you wake up and feel like a truck ran over you. And then all, once that confession gets tougher, don't it? It's hard to spit out there. Those are the times. That's why you need to build now your house. Get it upon the rock. Get it off the sand. Because when the wind and storms come, you want to stay on the word of God. Praise God. So we want to confess God's word, and God's word always wins. Say God's word always wins. When you declare by his stripes I am healed, your words bind Satan's hands in your life. The word of God is the greatest weapon on earth to use against the devil. 
holding fast your confession of healing in the face of natural contradiction, verifies that your faith is established in the Word. I want to read that again. Holding fast your confession of healing in the face of natural contradictions verifies that your faith has been established in the Bible. God's Word will always win out when you stay on the Word of God. All right, go to Hebrews chapter 11. All right, Hebrews chapter 11, look at verse 3. It says, Through faith we understand that the words were framed by the word of God, that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Notice, through faith we understand. Say, through faith, faith. I will understand. Now, as sons and daughters of God, notice here basically the power that comes out of your mouth that's in your heart when you stay in line with God's word is a creative power. God spoke the world into existence. How? He had light in his heart, spoke it out his mouth. It came and it changed the darkness. Until you learn the power of God's word, you will basically either take it or leave it. When you don't understand how powerful the Word of God is and how it's important in your life, you'll read the Word a couple days, and you won't read the Word for a week, and then you read the Word a little bit, and read the Word, but when you find out that it is your lifeline to God, and it's a strength on the inside of you, you will make sure that you're in the Word of God every single day. When God speaks, the same creative power that spoke the world into existence goes into action into your life. His Word today is just as effective as it was way back when He created the earth, just as creative when the world was framed by the word of God. Through faith we understand. Say, through faith, faith. I will understand. understand. And how does faith come? So I have to hear and hear the word of God. Faith comes. When faith comes, I'm actually going to understand. People come up all the time. I just don't understand that. Just keep hearing the word. Sooner or later, faith will come, and sooner or later, you'll understand what's going on. All right, go to Romans chapter 4. All right, Romans chapter 4, just look at verse 21. Talking about Abraham and being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able to do what? Perform it. Notice there's going to come a day in your life when you understand the word and understand that what God has promised, he will perform in your life. I just need to believe God's word, trust God's word, know the creative power of his word, then act on his word. If God says, I am the Lord that heals you, then you dare to believe the power that's in those words, and you will then act on those words. How am I going to act on those words? Well, if I don't feel good that day, I'm going to get up at the best of my ability, and I'm going to do what I need to do that day. I'm going to walk 
basically whether I feel good or bad, I'm going to do to the best of my ability in line with being healed from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Basically, that's what happened. If you read about Kenneth Hagin, I mean, Patrick's talked about it quite a bit of time. That's what happened to him. He kept planting the seed. One day he was in bed. He'd been there for a long time, and he read the word that said basically he was healed. And he said, if I'm healed, what the heck am I doing in bed if I'm healed? And he got up to get out of bed, and as soon as he believed it by faith and acted on it, instantly he was delivered from something that was basically going to kill him sooner or later. What happened? That the he understood and it worked. Pains will leave you as long as you stay on the word. Sickness will go by the wayside. You will begin to do the very things that you could not do before you took God at his word and then acted on his word. The creative power of God's word will create the very thing in your body that you need to be made whole. Death will be transformed into life. Sickness will be transformed into health. If you need healing, you can believe God's word right now. Say right now. People say, well, I'm going to start believing tomorrow. No, start believing right now. Plant the seed tonight. God's will is my healing. Praise God. The doctor said this, said that. I don't care. God says I'm healed, and that's where I'm going to go. I plant the seed tonight. I'm healed. Tomorrow, thank God I'm healed. From the top of, I'm still healed. A week later, I'm still healed. Why? Because what am I doing? That seed's got to come up. I mean, you know, when you plant a seed in the ground, there's a natural seed, and you go back out two days later, it isn't a full ear of corn out there yet. You don't even know it's growing, and you certainly don't dig it up. Well, I don't think it's growing. Let me see what's down there. You'll kill the thing. And we do the same thing. We give it about four days. And if it doesn't work, I tithe twice. I tithe twice. And I didn't get anything yet. Well, praise God. Come on now. It takes a little bit longer than that. So if you need it, baby, you've got to understand, he is able to perform. Say, God, he's able to perform. Okay, go back to John chapter 1. Well, I confessed it three times. Come a day when you fill up so much in the word that you won't have to think about your confession. It'll just be natural confession that comes out your mouth all the time because that's simply what you believe in the situation. All right, John chapter 1, look at verse 1. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was the same was in the beginning with God. And all things were made by him or by the word. And without him or the word was not anything made that was made. Once again, you cannot separate God from his word. The word of a person is what that person is and what that person believes and what that person thinks. There's either faith and alignment with God coming out your mouth or unbelief in his word, which is simply unbelief in God. Our attitude towards the word of God will determine everything in our life. Is it just a book? Is it just a bunch of stories in the New Testament? Is it a chore to read? Or is it the creative seed of God in your life for everything that you're going to receive in this life? Reason will take the word's place if you allow it to. Acting on the supernatural word of God does not appeal to our natural senses. Most of us are sense-led. Say sense-led. Now, what does sense-led mean? It basically means that you have more faith in feelings and emotions and circumstances than you do in what the word of God says. Romans 8 says, The carnal mind is an enemy against God, for it is not subject to the law of God. How many know the law of God is faith? 
and neither can be. So feelings and emotions and natural evidence basically will come against the Word of God. But God's Word is what releases the power in your life. As you study different stories in the Bible, you're going to see that this is not an easy thing. Uh, You know, when Noah was there, and basically God comes to him and tells him to build an ark because it's going to rain and flood the entire earth. What's the chances of there being a flood that floods the entire earth? What's the chances of me having to build a whole ark and then get two by two animals to walk in the stupid gate and get up and then... But notice, all natural was against him. I'm sure when he was building the ark, they were talking to him. What you doing, Noah? An ark hasn't rained in a long time, praise God. We ain't got any, it's going to flood? I don't think you're crazy out there. But what did he do? He only had one thing, the word of God that told him to do what? Build the ark. Joshua was the same way. God comes to him and says, walk around seven times, praise God. And then stop and shout. So he starts walking around. Now notice, it didn't fall down the first time he walked around. See, most of us want to walk around once. That's enough. It didn't work this time. God doesn't keep his promises. This don't work out. No, they walked around the first time. They walked around the second time. And notice what God, what, notice what Joshua told him to do. Don't say a word. Why? Because he knew it was coming. Don't say a word until we walk around it the seventh time. Why? Because they're going to be all over me after two times around this thing. They're going to be ready to throw me out, kick me out. The, nothing's happening. The walls aren't falling down. Nothing's taking place. Don't you say a word until the seventh time when I tell everybody to shout. And then you shout. And they walked around. And you know they were up on the gate saying, oh, look at these clowns. Around they go again. Around they go again. You having fun? Is that a merry-go-round? But on the seventh time, how many know when he yelled on the seventh time, fell down? The Bible says flat. How many know flat is flat? So it just wasn't half down, part down. It all fell down. I mean, other senses were against that. His feelings were probably against him. His emotions were getting, but he had to go around seven whole times. Say seven whole times. Look at Abraham. How many know at 100 years old, God comes and tells you you're going to have a baby? There's hope for us all. Praise God. Yeah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. What did he do? He spoke it. And what happened? Abraham and Sarah had to believe the thing. How many know at first they thought it was funny? They couldn't believe it. But notice, as long as God gives you the word out of his word, if you stay on that thing, whether you've got to go around five times, seven times, ten times, twenty times, sooner or later, I guarantee you, if you stay there, and walls are going to come down. Hallelujah. All right, go to Luke chapter 4. All right, Luke 4, look at verse 31. And he came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. And in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil, and cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and heard him not. And they were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they do what? Come out. Notice the first thing that amazed these people was the fact that Jesus spoke the word with power and with authority. In other words, he wasn't wishing, he wasn't whispering. They were astonished at his doctrine, and he said, What a word is this? Jesus stood in a fisherman's boat. 
He was in a boat that was tossing with the winds and the waves in the face of the black sky and face of the wind and face of the storm. He simply stood up and authoritative said, peace, be still, and there was great calm. The disciples in that one said, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, if you come to a place where you start living kingdom lifestyle, many people are going to say, what manner of man is this? That even the wind, the devil, sickness, disease, worry, fear, obey him. Because most of the church doesn't understand their kingdom position or their kingdom dominion or authority. Many times the people were amazed when Jesus spoke with authority and with power. Wherever and whenever they believed his words, the impossible became possible. Things that were unheard of began to happen. His word was with power. It was in his heart and he spoke it out his mouth. How many know his word is still the same today? And he's still the same today. All right, go to Mark chapter 9. All right, Mark chapter 9, look at verse 23. Jesus said unto him, If thou can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Now notice what's the first word there. If. If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believes. You can believe on God's word. You can believe on the word of God written down in front of you. Believe what he says will come to pass. Believe he's not a liar. Don't doubt anything from the word of God. Rather, only believe. If you continue to believe on purpose, say on purpose, sooner or later faith will come into you. When faith comes into you, faith always causes you to rise above your doubts and fears and gets you to act on what you believe. Faith will set you free by putting the word into action in your life. Faith is on the inside of every one of us right now. We just got to release it by acting, which will bring deliverance to you. Faith will lie dormant on the inside of you. You can have all the faith in the world, but until you have enough faith to act on what God has told you to do, it will not be released in the situation. Act your faith, and God's word will impart creative power and divine life into your body. If you can only believe, it will be done for you. Right where you are, you will be set free. Your sickness and your pains will begin to vanish in your life. Simply believe that it is done right now. Why? Because the seed on the inside of me is growing right now. I have planted the seed. The work is already done. I'm going to get a harvest out of this thing, so I'm just going to continue to believe what God has thing. Do something that you could not do before. If you couldn't raise your arm up only to your waist, then get it up a little bit higher. Do something more than you've been able to do. In Jesus' name, you command weakness, sickness, and fear to leave you and to stay away from you. In Jesus' name, you have dominion. Say, I have, I have. Dominion. dominion. I have, I have. Authority. authority in the name dominion. of Jesus. All right, go to Luke chapter 5. All right, Luke chapter 5, look at verse 1. 
And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, notice why they pressed upon him to do what? Hear the word of God. Even way back then, some people wanted to hear the word of God. He stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were going out of them and they were washing their nets. He entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from land. And he sat down and taught the people. Now, why do you think he taught them? Because faith comes by and faith would cause them to act. And if they acted, they would receive what he was teaching about. Verse 4, now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled and worked all night long. We've taken nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes. How many know that's a lot? And their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help him. And they came and filled both ships, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Hallelujah. Notice that, verse 8. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down on his, at Jesus' what? At Jesus' what? Knees. Knees. He couldn't fall down on his feet. You know why? Boat was full of fish. It's all the further he could get down, praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So here's the disciples. How many know they were fishermen? They taught all night long. They caught nothing. Jesus came and told them to let down the nets for a catch. Peter did not argue with Jesus. He did not explain how hopeless the situation was, although he definitely thought it. He did not explain to him that those waters he knew there was no fish in that area and it's stupid for me to let down my nets again. He simply did what Jesus told him to do and let down the net. Often when you run into God's promises, you, your mind, or someone else is going to come up with a thousand different reasons why it will not work. Somebody will say, I'm going to lay hands on you, you're going to be healed. When I've been prayed for by the best of them, Copeland prayed for me, and Harfush prayed for me, and everybody prayed for me, and I didn't get it, I just didn't get it, I just didn't get it. it just, the doctor said, I'm never going to be healed. It's just going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. Notice, Peter didn't argue with him, didn't say, you don't know anything about fishing. He simply did what the Word of God told him to do. What did we learn from Peter here? Obedience will always bring victory when you obey the Word of God. Obedience will always bring you victory if you simply obey the Word of God. Peter acted on the Word of Jesus, and he caught a great multitude of fish. Never be afraid to obey and to act on the Word of God, because there is no Word of God that is void of power. He can fill all your nets, so just simply let them down. People ill for years, others may have prayed for them many times, doctors may have shaken them with despair, but they have basically a word of God to stand on that's by His stripes ye were healed. So because of the word, you can ask again. At your word, I will recover. At your word, I shall be completely healed. At your word, I shall prosper. God's word cannot fail me. Believe it with all of your heart. At his word and act your faith. Simply let down your nets in any area of your life and expect them to be filled with healing, abundance, peace, joy, or anything God has promised you. It is all available through God's word. I want to end with another Smith quote. Smith Wigglesworth said, People miss the greatest plan of healing because of moving from one thing to another thing. Become stationary. God wants you to take the word, claim the word, believe the word. This is the perfect way of healing. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left hand. Simply believe the word of God. Hallelujah. Say, I'm a believer. I'm not a doubter. I believe God's word. 
I believe every promise that was provided on the cross belongs to me. I will claim. I will agree. I will stay in line in right standing with the kingdom of God. I am healed. I am blessed. I am anointed. I am free. I am righteous. I am holy. Not because I look like it, but because the Word says I am. I have God's divine nature on the inside of me. And sickness is not part of God's divine nature. So I choose to believe the exceedingly great, precious promises, and I will receive first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear, and I'll take my harvest and go away rejoicing in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. listening. For more from Treasure Coast Victory Center, visit us at mytcbc.com.